Welcome to NCAGT's podcast. Our mission is to dismantle the they'll be fine myth that often surrounds gifted learners. Our goal is to address the excellence gap faced by high ability students, including those from diverse backgrounds. Join us as we advocate for gifted and talented scholars to unlock their full potential. Please note the ideas and thoughts shared here are as diverse as our guests, not always reflecting the official NCAGT stance. So keep an open mind and let's explore a variety of perspectives together. All right, so this is one of my best friends, Nicole Trawick. Nicole, will you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello, I'm Nicole. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I have been teaching for 11 years. I've taught third, fourth, and now I'm in fifth grade. So I have just moving on up in the ladder is how I look at it. Um, I've known Hannah now for how long? Mm. It's been a it's seven years, maybe. Yeah, it's seven it's years. It's been a while, but yeah. So I'm excited. And so you and I have taught together. We taught third grade together, but you have not had a chance to teach with Catherine, right? Actually, she student taught whenever I was in third grade. So she was my like right next door. She was her student teacher. And so I've known Catherine since she first started teaching and she's been amazing person. <laughs> That's what awesome. Yeah. Well, normally when we do this, you get interviewed. So you're not in the hot seat today. Today's kind of like a little bit of a different episode. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of explain what that's going to look like. We are going to be doing back pocket strategies. This past weekend, we went to our NCAGT board meeting and I love going to those because the people in the room are just from all walks of life and a lot of them are just wicked brilliant. Um, But it's just a lot of like really diverse people. And I always walk away learning something new. And so I sat at the end of the meeting and got my computer out. And as people walked by, I was like, tell me something good. Like, give me one strategy that you love to use in your classroom. So I collected those and I was like, I have to share these because, you know, we love PD when you show up and actually can leave with something tangible to take with you rather than just a bunch of hoopla. Right. I love that. So I'm going to share the activity. I'll tell the targeted skills. And then what I want us to do is kind of think about how you could use that in your own classroom because we all are reading different books and we're te- all teaching the same skills, but doing it in different ways. Mm-hmm. So really just trying to take these ideas and run with them. Mm-hmm. Love that. All right. So the first one is actually something that the vice president opened up with in our meeting in my friend who's in grad school told me it's called a structured academic controversy. I'd never heard of that. But the targeted skills are critical thinking, conflict resolution, collaboration, and it's a secret listening activity. Okay, so that. what he did is he divided the room up into two groups and each group had its own mission. In front of each group, he put a set of tinker toys. Do you know what tinker toys are? No. They're like, I don't, honestly, not to offend anybody, but I don't think we're old enough for the Tinker Toys. Like, (laughs) that is because I think it was around the time, like, Lincoln Logs. Did you play with Lincoln Logs? Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. So they're like these little sticks with balls on the end that you build with. And they've got little spinny guys. And to be honest, I've never played with them. But he set the old timey Tinker Toys on the table. And then he set a drone right beside it. And he said to this group, you have to brainstorm an argument explaining how the toys of yesterday might not sufficiently prepare children for the world and toys of today. Mm. Then he went to the other group and said, you guys have to brainstorm an argument explaining how the toys of yesterday do sufficiently prepare the children for the toys in the world today. And so he gave a few minutes for people to brainstorm, and then he put a timer on for 30 seconds. And one person from the group had to stand up, and they had 30 seconds 
to present their argument. And one thing I really appreciated about this is he didn't make us do the entire activity. He stopped the activity there and explained that after each group presents their argument, you have the opposite groups, the opposing groups, compile a list and summarize the key points of the opposing side's argument. Does that make sense the way I'm explaining this? It does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I like that. So I just thought that was really interesting for, I mean, several different ways. I feel like conflict resolutions, like, tough. Yeah, it is. Tough tough stuff. But then I was trying to think, how could you take this? I think you could do that exact activity with your kids. But can you think of any ways that you could take this? type of structured activity and do it it's so funny because today as you're saying this I'm like I love that so much because today I did a lesson about El Nino and La Nina in science which I mean that is tricky (laughs) that is a subject but they had to talk about which of the two ocean currents which one affected North Carolina more? And because they both do affect us, but which one, like the argument was like, which one affected, like affects us more? And they were just discussing, but I like that because you have to kind of like you give them a set argument and say, all right, this is what you, this is what you're trying to find. And you're going to argue against the other team. Because what I did is I just took their opinions and was like, okay, the El Nino group and the La Nina group. But I like giving them a set structure. This is your argument. And this is what you need to argue to the opposing team. Because I kids have a really hard time arguing appropriately. And I... Like they, you know, they just, they feel like when they do argue, it has to be so negative when it doesn't have to be. Like it can be very informative. So I like that. I mean, I would could definitely use that in the classroom tomorrow. I just like how he worded that. I think that's really cool for kids. Yeah. I Well, I was trying to think like, okay, how would I use this? And I, I was blanking. Yeah. And that's a beautiful example. And I love that it, that's awesome. But I love that it like forces them to, because a lot of times it's my way or the highway and it forces them to have a different opinion. But then at the thing that I loved at the end of it was they then had to be sure that they could list the other team's argument, which is Mm -hmm. forcing them to listen to -hmm. other people when they talk. Because I feel like a lot of times kids and even adults are already preparing their argument to come back to you. And then after it goes, after they present, you're like, okay, you're not going to keep arguing. You're going to tell me what the other person said. And I just think that's really beautiful. I, I love that a lot. I kind of wish I was doing that Phil Nino and Lockheed lesson tomorrow. It's like, <laughs> that's good. I love that. But there, but you're like, you're right about picking like any controversial topic and mm-hmm. like you could do it in reading, thinking about characters. I love the book Holes. I think there's so many things that you can teach with Holes and talking about just the different characters in there, whether Stanley, I don't know, all the ethical stuff in that book. But yeah. Okay. I'm going to go into our second one. The second one is called Identity Building. And with this activity, it targets communication skills, collaboration, teamwork, critical thinking, self-awareness, presentation skills, empathy and understanding, and it just promotes self-reflection and social interaction. So lots of good stuff. And this actually was also suggested by Michael Elder, who's the NCAGT vice president. Um, We didn't do this at the meeting, but he had shared this with me. And you use those Tinker Toys again. (laughs) And he said, if you don't have Tinker Toys... You could use like Legos or really anything. But what you do is you lay the toys out on the table and they're all little individual pieces and you put some of the like pieces out on the table, but different ones too. And you tell everyone, okay, I want you to pick one toy from the table that you feel like resonates with you. 
And so they pick a toy. Some of them might pick the ball. Some might pick the stick or the wedge. Yeah. And after they pick their toy, you then say, okay, I want you to find the other people in this room who made the same choice as you. And I want you to form small groups. So then you mingle, mingle, find your group. In your group, I want you to discuss why you chose that particular building material. And then I want you to determine how it represents you. So then collaboratively, they have to come up with a category or a connection that best describes this one piece of toy and how it collectively represents the group's identity. And then they share that with the class. Mm-hmm. What good like community building, like a beginning of year activity to do with the kids. It really like makes them talk to someone new and they would have no idea that they even liked the same things. What a good activity for kids just to step out of the box and talk with somebody that they just wouldn't talk to and like and talk about how that identifies themselves and their group. That's a great lesson for kids. That is, I really like that. I feel like a lot of times these activities get reserved for the beginning of the year. But I was thinking, too, when you come back from winter break, mm-hmm. you haven't seen kids in a while. And there's a lot that kind of goes on that you might not know about. And it's just a good idea. You might have new kids that are in your room. So it's kind of a good idea to stop and do stuff like this. But then I was thinking as well, you could do this in reading and you could assign them roles. Yeah. of characters in the books that they're reading and like do it as yourself but then some people in the room are going to be certain characters in the story and they have to think like that person like what would that specific character choose yeah even in math I feel like that could be a great list like I I sometimes feel like math is the subject that you're either right or wrong and that's it and we're moving mm-hmm. on but like when you take any multiple choice test in math, like all the answer choices are good choices. And yes, there's one right answer, but how did the other answers, like why are those even options? And I feel like those common mistakes are what Mm. kids do. Like a lot of kids do those same common mistakes. And that would be good too, just for them to discuss like, how you could get different answers and different strategies even like Ooh. using like different strategies in the class in the math classroom yeah. yeah I love that and when I was looking through like compiling this list and thinking about them ma- like the subject of math I was just having such a hard time connecting a lot of these two because I've bless people who only teach math that's tough to take that and make it like interactive and fun it's I mean that's a challenge so I love that you said that Relating it to math. That's awesome. So these next two things that I have are kind of similar, um, but it's called cartoon clues, unmasking visual messages. And it's supposed to target visual analysis, critical thinking, evidence-based reasoning, which I really love, and theme identification. You engage the students by first displaying a cartoon with the words that are whited out and it could be like a comic you could have a comic you white out the words and you ask them to discuss in pairs or groups what they think this cartoon might be about and you encourage them to provide reasoning for their interpretations and then they share their interpretations of the cartoon and you kind of facilitate a class discussion around them and then you could take it another step by sending them off to do it independently so I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Do you know what comes to mind? I don't like, I just feel like dialogue, like, like having conversations about different characters and different dialogues between characters. That just like comes to mind whenever I think of a comic book, like, you know, it's centered around the characters talking to each other. We just got um finished with our personal narrative unit and reading and we talked a lot about the character's dialogue but the 
it was interesting because we, it was like personal narratives from like Rosa Parks. There we go. It was Rosa Parks and like the conversations she was having with the bus driver and using facial expressions too would be really good for kids to see. Like, I don't know that. That is just what's flowing in my mind right now. Maybe because we just got finished for that unit. But I like, I think anything with dialogue would be really awesome for kids. Yeah. Well, and I think you could take really any like, like a political cartoon, like illustrations or photographs. Um, What came to my mind was like the World War II when they, uh, the propaganda and all that, Mm -hmm. that was used. So using that in social studies lessons could work. Um, I just love it because I feel like it's really important to teach the concept of visual analysis and like explaining that pictures communicate so much more than just, I don't know, surface level stuff. There's Mm -hmm. can be like really deep messages or ideas behind it Mm -hmm. and that pictures aren't just for entertainment a lot Mm -hmm. of times, like when they're included in pieces of text, which I feel like that's a standard throughout a lot of great levels is understanding that, right? Yeah. And you know what else kids really struggle with that I think that would be good for too is like social cues. Mm. You know, like (laughs) struggle with that. Like unknowing, like, hey, uh, socially, let's look at our social cues. Like, does that (laughs) talk right now? No. But I think too, that would be just like a good social lesson for kids to, to, visually see like what do the pictures show and what do you think how do you think the the characters would be responding to each other um and using it in your own life yeah yeah absolutely and I was thinking too for science like you could show like scientific visuals that I don't know relate to like specific topics or cl- or concepts way above my pay grade but cell division and be like climate change like show these yeah. pictures and have them I don't know put like words with it and stuff I mm-hmm. think that that would be awesome little diagram Your kids love a good comic they love oh, a good comic they do they do especially gifted learners like graphic novels are I don't know what am I looking for graphic novels are just top tier <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, All right. And then the other one that's kind of like the cartoon is called Meme the Masterpiece. And so it's a pretty similar idea, but you make it into a meme, which kids love to do. And there's a lot of meme making tools and software online that's free. But you take um, you have them create like a humorous and creative meme out of it could be famous works of art or how we were saying taken scientific concepts diagrams and having them do the same thing there but meme style Mm -hmm. and I used to do this like I would give the kids a meme and they would have to write a story about that meme and it was like a kind of like a writing prompt but it was good for them because they it was something they're interested in because writing I will say that is like the worst subject to teach to do all the above and it's like finding interest for them uh but they could create their memes about topics that they're interested in and then even writing some kind of story essay with it would be good for those kids because we use them all the time as adults like i mean Literally, I will conversate with people through memes, like just send them memes. Like, you know, <laughs> here's this meme, here's this meme. You should know what I'm talking about and thinking at the same time. But <laughs> but kids can be the same way. Like that's something they're interested in that they they could take that and run with it. And you can always print it out like the Instagram papers and paste it on there so they feel like they're posting on social media, you know. But honestly, we need to have some classes on that. Well, honestly, we, as a fifth grade team, the SRO officer was asking us, like, what kind of lessons do you want me to talk to the kids about? And I'm like, social media. That's what I want you to talk to the kids about because social media is just not age appropriate for them, but a lot of them have it. So I 
I mean, yeah. I mean, well, and that could be like a whole digital citizenship lesson in and of itself, like the do's and the don'ts. Yeah. Um, Catherine has joined us. Catherine is here. Okay, so Nicole has to leave in about two minutes. So, Nicole, can you think of any back pocket strategies that you love or do that you could share? Any, like, engaging activities that you've seen have a good impact? Mm. Do you know what I've loved doing this year? Mostly because I've just been playing, like, random music all the time. Any kind of musical chair slash music gallery walk, anything with music, the kids eat it up. And like when we did one year doing like figurative language with music, I feel like music, it just, it hits them and it hits them the right way. And they get in such a good mood after it. Anything music related, I am down for. And I love to just incorporate whenever I can. I'm trying to think of anything else. Hold on. Can you please explain like what you mean by using music to like a gallery walk? What does that look like? So what I do is I have them get up and they have to start going around the classroom in a circle and the music's playing. And when I pause the music and the sound turns off, they have to go to the closest poster that they're near and they have to write like I just did one on severe weather and science. So like I had hail, hurricanes, tornadoes, storm surges like all around the room and it was basically like pulling prior knowledge from them. So I was trying to see what they knew about each of those topics. So when they were going around, I said, when you hear the music stop, you have to go to the closest poster and write down what you already know about the topic that's on that poster. And then when you hear the music again, start moving around again. And they they eat it. Uh, they love it so much. And they just sit there and dance as they're walking around. Love it. Love it. Love that. What and a fun, positive thing. But they request Taylor Swift. So, I mean, I said. Well, and I was going to say, when you talked about, like, figurative language, mm-hmm. Taylor Swift's lyrics are very good for yeah, they are. figurative language. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Definitely. they are. And Katy Perry. Isn't that from Nemesis? Yeah, nice. I don't think they I don't are. think so. I think it's the media trying to fit them together. All right. So Nicole and Catherine are our local, what would you call it? Swifty. Swifties. 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 Yeah. Part of the Swift Nation. There I go. We're going to push the pause button for just a second to share some really exciting news. NCAGT's annual conference is heading to Greensboro, North Carolina on March 14th and 15th, 2024. This is an event you won't want to miss. For the latest updates on registration, keynotes, and all the things conference-related, head over to ncagt.org. And here's the best part. If you have a burning question or need more information, we've got you covered. Just shoot us an email at conference at ncagt.org. All right, let's get back to it. Nicole had to jet. She had to go to the chiropractor. Yeah, take care of herself. T- self-care, very important. Mm-hmm. And we were, Catherine, Nicole, and I were all supposed to be together, but Catherine had a, what's it called, Catherine? A post-observation meeting. Uh, with her principal that yes obviously you can't miss that can't. so in CAGT's podcast in CAGT is a nonprofit organization so we are we are donating our time and we have to work with the chaos of trying to get these episodes filmed so Nicole has exited the scene and enter stage right it's Catherine hey. Caldwell. <laughs> I'm here. She hosted a lot of the episodes in season one for They'll Be Fine. And you will hear her a lot in season two conducting interviews. Catherine, I've already kind of explained that this episode's a little bit different. Back pocket mm-hmm. strategies. We want people to walk away feeling inspired to go and do things in their classroom to mm-hmm. kind of get that deeper level thinking. So I'm going to explain the activity, the targeted skills, and then 
toss the mic to you and you tell me how you would use it in your classroom. Okay. Sounds good. We could do that. All right. So this next activity is called the six thinking hats. And this has actually been around since 1985. It was a concept developed by, uh, I want to say his name right, Dr. Edward de Bono. Bono. And um, we've heard Danny Sullivan talk about this last season when she came on our podcast. She like brushed it. And so I looked into it a little bit more because someone else had mentioned it. And it's very cool. So the basic concept of the six thinking hats is that in order to process information and to reach the best conclusions in problem-solving sessions, people need to be able to look at issues from a variety of perspectives. So you have your students read an opinion piece, something that's controversial. Then you break the classroom up into groups of six students. So different groups, six students in each group. And then students will pick a color from the box. And depending on the color they pick, that will be the hat that they use during the discussion. And I think it's really helpful when you do this activity to have students physically wear the hats so that everyone knows what color they're representing. Mm -hmm. And this is a little bit more involved and it will take time, but it's something that if you can teach your kids to do, it will be so, so beautiful. So the six hats are, you have the white hat, which is when that student can only view the controversial issue through the facts and only the facts. That's mm -hmm. the only thing they can consider. The yellow hat symbolizes brightness and optimism. So under this hat, they explore the positives and the value and the benefits. The black hat is risk management. So they are kind of the pessimist here. They are looking at the difficulties and the problems. The red hat signifies feelings and intuition. So with this hat, you're allowed to express emotions like fears, dislikes, loves, hates. The green hat focuses on creativity. And so like alternatives, new ideas. And the blue hat is used to manage the thinking process. So they're kind of like the control mechanism that ensures the six thinking hats are thinking how they're supposed to be thinking. So making mm -hmm. sure that old yellow is only optimism. It's cut them off if they start saying. That's not your hat. Some pessimism. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I like that. So. You allow the group about 10 minutes to discuss the issue, and then you give the students a chance to embody that hat color that they choose, and then they rotate through different groups. So if you have younger kids, I think it might be easier for them to stay in that hat, but to challenge your gifted thinkers, or some might be prepared for it, to switch roles with the same article or same controversial issue. Mm -hmm. I love that. I feel like I'm just visualizing the class that I have now because I now this year am teaching AIG students in fourth and fifth grade. And I see that playing out in my head as for some students, this will be a challenge. And I always love activities that I feel like are going to challenge those kids because sometimes I feel like, like I'm still learning like where, what's challenging for you? Because sometimes I'll think it's challenging and they've just like gone through it. So I think stepping into a different point of view, especially one that you would not have chosen. Like, I feel like it'd be cool to sometimes let them choose their hat, but then sometimes, no, this is the hat you're given. Because I think, I'm just thinking about some of the kids that I have this year, sometimes they get really fixed into their opinion about something. And it's really hard to let them see it in a different way. And because I feel like they've just they've thought through it. This is what I'm, where I'm at. This is what I what believe. And I just sometimes it's hard to get them out of that. So I think it's a good skill to be able to step into the shoes of a perspective and see something in that angle, especially if you don't agree with it. But even more, like you said, if they had to switch and go into something else, like what a life skill. 
like being able to see things from they see things from different perspectives, but also being able to I don't know switch like that. Well, and argue something that you don't necessarily agree with. Yeah, and I feel like that's just going to help them in so many different areas because sometimes we come at something like looking just like just the positive okay just the positive person but you forget the facts like I feel like that's me sometimes I don't really I'm thinking about how I'm feeling about something and not so much as what's the facts so I feel like that would just whoa I would love to do that as an adult that's I feel like that'd be really cool well and it's funny that you say that because when I was looking this up it says that um they go into huge corporations and businesses, and they do this as PD, professional development, for different teams. If you did one in a school and everyone took on a different person in the school, okay, you're looking at the situation from the principal, but you're looking at it from the student or a teacher or a TA, like made people see things from different perspectives. Yeah. I remember when I was teaching third grade social studies and we were learning about government and it was local government they put a scenario we put a scenario out that a lion had escaped from the zoo and the community members had to work together to figure out what to do and you had different people had the students had to take on the role of a different person someone had to think like a firefighter someone had to think like a teacher someone had to think you know what I mean like all these Mm -hmm. different community members how do they work together and think about obviously save the children you know teach (laughs) it was just really that's what kind of reminds me of but if I was going to introduce this in the classroom I would do it kind of at the beginning of the year and maybe rather than giving a full article to start out with Mm -hmm. I was thinking it could be a good idea to just start with a statement yeah um, your eyes change color depending upon your mood yes you know what I mean and the six hats jump on that oh yeah you can bring your pets to school every Friday go like think about the positives the negatives the facts and i love that the visual of having a physical like you could buy those party hats that are like different colors because i feel like sometimes they'll forget like who the other like i'm just thinking like practically like they're gonna forget who they're talking to like you know what i mean like who this person's hat is yes and you know me i i am huge on teachers not spending their own money for their classroom i'm so big on that my (laughs) friends always I roll me so hard. It's, so something it's good. I'm a little cheap girl. <laughs> Saving that money. Yeah. But something you could do is get the Senate strips and wrap them around like a crown. Yes. With construction paper. Yes. Could easily work. That's a great idea. And I feel like this is going to be easily like reproducible because once they yes. learn those roles, you just got to change what they're talking about. And then they're going to. Yeah. And then just imagine the how deep your your discussions can get with like your actual content, you know? Yeah. Beautiful. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking about some of the stories that we've been reading that have like lots of different morals in them and where some of them leave on a, in a place where it doesn't really like end the story. And we're mm. also like, oh, what does that mean? Or what happened? And I don't know. I just feel like that would be so good for them to take that off and then have a it would, I feel like it helps them have a starting point to the discussion, too, because sometimes if you just say, OK, how do we feel about this ending? Sometimes they don't know quite how to start. So I feel like they already know whose perspectives they're taking on and that's how they're going to see the story or whatever. I don't know. It gives them a good place to enter the conversation. For sure. And last thing I'll say on this before rolling on is what I love about this the most is that this is a great way to break out of the typical cycle of the teacher standing in front of the classroom. And instead, it enhances that student engagement. And I love Definitely. that. Mm-hmm. For, sure. For sure. They would, oh my gosh, they'll love this. They will be so interested, I feel like. Yeah. And want to keep doing this. I think yes. this like one. That'll be your fun Friday request. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I seriously, I'm excited. I'm going to write a note. Do you have an academically talented child who's looking for a challenging and exciting summer program? Summer Institute for the Gifted provides innovative academic programs for exceptional students from all over the world. Enroll now at some of the top universities in the country, including UNC Chapel Hill, for courses like robotics, creative writing, and neuroscience. 
These courses are designed to engage and inspire your child, allowing them to grow into the next best version of themselves. To learn more and enroll, visit our website at giftedstudy.org. Okay. All right, so our next activity is called a body biography, and this was given to me by Julie, who runs our social media for NCAGT, and she discovered this through the Duke Tip program. So a, bio a body biography is a way that students can use images and writing to express analytical and conceptual understandings about the characters and the books that they're reading. This task allows groups of students to select key samples of text and use symbolic visuals to show their understanding of the person's words, feelings, beliefs, and their impact. So the goal of a body biography is not only to illustrate the literal look of the character, but to also make a really thorough visual representation using symbols, colors, quotes, and the body outline. So um, each body part represents something different. The way you would do this is you use butcher paper, and you cut out uh, like the outline of a human body and then you kind of set them loose. The spine represents the person's values. The heart represents what they love. The hands represent what they literally hold or what they hold dear to them. The feet represent where they came from and where they're going. The brain represents what they're thinking. The mouth will speak quotes that represents the personal's uh, typical speech. A mirror can be included to represent how the person sees themselves or how others see them. Ears show what others say about them. Eyes show what they see or want to see. And then you include text all throughout, like speech bubbles can be included. And then students can be free to add any items that they feel like will enhance their body biography. So a stomach could represent worries. Clothing items could be symbolic. The colors that you choose could be symbolic. So it's kind of like no ceilings here, mm -hmm. which we love. Mm -hmm. And I do want to say this sounds like a lot, but if you go on to the Duke Tip website and just look up body bog, you literally Google body biography, Duke mm -hmm. T-I-P, and they have the planning research sheet available. They have rubrics and they have examples. They've got all the goodies for this. Easy and they use. Yes. And they even have an idea on how to use this as an end of unit assessment and like gallery walk tips. Wow. What a way to like dig deeper. I remember talking to Julie about this and she said like it goes beyond just like giving me facts about this person like having to think about how they see themselves or how they saw themselves I just think that is such a good way to go beyond and really I don't know, I don't know what the word is like conceptual I don't know just like really synthesize and dig into that information so that you truly have an understanding of who that person was or who they are instead of just this is when they were born this is when they died so I love that I also really like how engaging that is because it's not just them, no, like just listing character traits. Yeah, yeah, just doing it like, I don't know, in such a more fun way where you're still like assessing, you're still getting all the important information. They're challenged, but enjoying that challenge. And I really yeah. like that instead of just having to like write a paper up about the person. Getting elbow deep, really getting in yeah, there. Yeah, dig get in with the struggle. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That sounds like so much fun. And, and I love that all the stuff's online. I think that just makes it so easy. Very good back pocket strategy. And you can do it with fiction novels, but then also yeah. thinking social studies, characters yeah. from history could easily yeah. do that. Yeah, for sure. I like the idea of fiction too, like novels, like doing a character from the story. Yeah. Just... Well, and I have, I think it's really important in the world that we live in now to take into consideration the social emotional aspect for a lot of our kids. So many kids are suffering from anxiety. And I know a lot of teachers have a wax museum presentation that they will do. And I totally understand that it's important for kids to, you know, conquer their fears. And sometimes tough cookies, kid, you just got to present. You got to stay on your feet. However, if you have a kid who's just truly not there yet, maybe by the end of the year, that's your goal to get them to stand up and present. 
But if they don't want to participate in that wax museum, this is an awesome alternative where you can see what they know and you can give them a chance to display all of their knowledge and learning without forcing them to stand up and speak in front of an audience or their class. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I love this as an alternative for mm-hmm. those making those accommodations. Yeah. Giving those artistic children and creative children that outlet and chance to shine while still also showing you what they understand. Yeah. Bit. Okay. We have <laughs> we have a couple more. Really one more from me. And then I need your help with explaining the last one. Okay. So our next one is called Whittle Whittle. Whittle White Wise. <laughs> Tell me little, little white wine, please. <laughs> little white lies, and apparently this is like popular on the internet. And I like they said that at the meeting this past weekend. They were like, "You've never heard of this," and I was like, "No, I've never heard of it." You guys are silly. Okay, I'm what it is. Maybe I've heard of it. I'm the silly one because I started okay. giggling it, and it's like, I mean, it's a party theme for some people. Apparently, all the high wow. schools do it. So okay. It's called a white lie party. And everyone who goes to the white lie party shows up in a plain white t-shirt that has a little white lie written on it. So the lies are supposed to be fun, but they're also meant to reveal a little bit about your personality, especially like the tiny flaws that your friends won't stop grilling you about. So imagine like a little shrimpy fella shows up wearing... A shirt that says, I lift, bro. You know, like, um, yeah, you you get Uh it. Uh huh. I get it. I might wear a shirt that says, I'm a good driver. Okay. Okay. You're safe. You're a safe driver. (laughs) (laughs) And now I think so. And some people might show up with a shirt that says, I won't be late. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, to go with mine. But I'll think on that. Mine would be I. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of hard. Maybe that's a lie. That's the issue in itself that I can't think of one. So. Well, I love this idea a lot. Yes. Yeah. I love it for beginning of the year icebreaker. Then I love it for book characters. Mm-hmm. Um. And all that, like, obviously, white T-shirts might be a little pricey in the classroom. But you could do whiteboards. You could write on a white piece of paper and tape it. Yeah. And if you did a whiteboard, you could have them take on that role of different characters in the book type of thing. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. I feel like it's like a backwards way of thinking a little bit for them when they're having to come up with a lie about a character instead of just speaking and telling about who a character is. I yes. feel like it kind of makes them have to think in a different way uh, when they're coming up with that. But I actually have heard of this. I have heard of this. And I'm thinking about one of my friends did have a party like this where they they wrote little white lies about themselves on their, their shirt. Well, I love it. And, and I'm a virtual teacher. So I was thinking this could be a really good activity to do. Um, like if things are getting dull or we just need a brain break or something. Yeah. Changing your name. You know how you can rename yourself on Zoom settings mm-hmm. and making oh, your name yeah. a little white lie. I know my some of my kids would go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs <laughs> over that. They would have so much fun. That's um, fun. Like that. All right. The last activity that we are going to share with you today is a activity that Catherine and I participated in at the annual NCAGT conference mm-hmm. this past mm-hmm. year. It was a lot of fun, a lot of great it stuff. It was, yeah. Um, and Dr. Matt Zakreski, we interviewed him in season one as well. Definitely go back and listen to that episode, worth a listen. Um, but he did this activity, and I'm going to let Catherine explain it. Go for it, Kat, go for it. I want to also make sure I add on to the conference because I I feel like I've attended so much professional development in my teaching career, and I just filled a notebook full of so many good ideas and notes and just so much like I was into those sessions. I just feel like the conference really 
gave me a lot of tools and a lot of back pocket strategies and just things that I could take with me and use the next week. So it really was a good investment of time. Um, the activity was, I don't know exactly how he titled it, but basically what he did was he gave everybody a bracket on a piece of paper and he had us think of something that we know a lot about, like maybe our, dare I say, an expert in, or just something you know a lot about this topic. I chose baking macaron flavors because that's something that I'm passionate about and I know a lot about. And so you had, I want to say 10 slots for the, for the first round. And you had to fill that, those 10 spots with words that went with that topic. So for example, I listed 10 macaron flavors because that all went with the macarons as my topic. Some people chose bird types of birds because maybe they like to bird watch or some people chose 10 of their favorite novels or whatever. Lots of different things were listed. And then after we all filled out the 10, then we had to take our paper and pass it to the next person. And they had to take your 10 and narrow it down to eight. And just because of what they, their preferences are, what they like. I don't feel like we were given tons and tons of information, like specific directions, like narrow it down. And I kind of like that. I like that we had to all kind of think about it in our own way about how we would narrow it down. Then we kept passing, we kept passing, we kept passing. And every time you passed, you had to, you get a new person's bracket. Like you never got your own in that passing and you didn't get to see the other ones that you had done. You narrowed it down, passed until we all have kept passing until we had all narrowed each other's brackets down to one thing. And then we had to bring it back to the person that had started it and made that bracket. And it was just funny because so many of us did not agree with the thing that had made it to the the final spot on our bracket. And he ended up asking people to share out about what they wrote on their bracket and if they agreed or disagreed with the thing that was chosen. And it led to such a beautiful conversation because we didn't know anybody in that room mostly, but I got to hear about people. You could just quickly see most people chose something that obviously they know a lot about it. They're passionate about it. So they got to share something they're passionate about with the room and you instantly could see them like light up. So if I was doing this with children, which I would love to, I feel like it would help your classroom. I think it would do a lot of things, but I think classroom community because I feel like it would help your kids get to know each other real fast and let them feel more comfortable in the room. I feel like that would just help a, a sense of like comfortability in the room. We've talked about, he talked about at the conference how it helps with disagreements whenever, because a lot of times I didn't agree with the flavor that was chosen, but somebody else had chosen that. And so obviously I wasn't going to go there and argue with them, but you could have your kids like discuss that what was chosen and if you didn't agree with it and why not and I don't know just have that conversation about how we don't all agree on things and I don't know I feel like you could take this in so many different ways in so many different directions and honestly reuse it too later on in the year I feel like it's a reusable thing and that can be used in different ways and areas of your classroom and I know that he had said that this was really good for to do with gifted learners especially because a lot of them have like quirky things that they know a lot about. Mm-hmm. And so it's a way for them to brag on that and show their knowledge. And then they might discover that someone else in the room also knows a lot about that as well. And it could build those relationships. I think when he shared this uh, activity, he's, I want to say that he said he first did it at like a women's prison. Mm. Remember he went in with the where they they were like doing they were in in classes in the women's prison and they just like weren't getting along and so he went in and he did this activity and um a lot of them discovered that they had much more in common. Yeah. You remember him saying that? I, I like don't, he, but I believe you. It sounds believable. I don't know. I don't know, but it was very very neat. Yeah. And loved it. Yeah, I just, I feel like it's one of those activities that is like a template and you can just take it and use it in different areas. I mean, I'm just thinking of some topics right now. Even if you wanted to use it in reading instruction or whatever, I don't know, come up with a topic that you're learning about 
and have everybody do it on maybe the same topic, but nobody with each other's end things and then narrow it down. I don't know, just to get different opinions and perspectives on something. It's, I really, I enjoy doing it. So I'm sure the kids would really enjoy doing it too. Yes, 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 absolutely. Well, that concludes this episode of our Back Pocket Strategies. If you liked this episode, please let us know so that we can try and do more things like this. Um, We'll continue with our interviews, of course, because it's amazing to hear from these brilliant minds in the gifted community. But everybody loves a PD that you can walk away from with ideas and things that are tangible and can implement in your classrooms tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So if this is something you're interested in or want to hear more about, let us know. Please. We'd love to hear from you. Or if you have ideas, too, that you think are strategies that you love to use in your classroom, let us know. Because I feel like we always, I don't know. I, I guess we all get on our own like head on like what we have to do and we forget that like there might be something that you're doing in your classroom that you don't even realize nobody else is doing, but that's amazing and they would love to do it. They just don't realize that you're doing it. So I feel like sharing out those things that you do in your classroom like these that are kind of different, but engaging and easy to replicate in your own. Yes. Own don't world. be a gatekeeper. Send yeah, us that share. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. And there you have it. We truly appreciate your time spent with us today. If you enjoyed this episode of They'll Be Fine, please consider sharing your thoughts. Leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Audible would mean the world to us, but we understand if it feels like a lot. Even a quick five-star rating or sharing this episode on your own social media can make a significant impact. Your support helps us reach more families and educators who are navigating and advocating for their gifted loved ones. We hope you'll join us on our next episode as we sit down with another amazing stakeholder in the gifted community. Until then, take care.